You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Fly ball, deep right field. Back is Spencer at the one and two. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. Oh, what was more unbelievable? That home run by Selby off Mariana Rivera that helped name this show many years in the future, or the fact that we're here to do a free version of this podcast and there's still no baseball. <laughs> what is far more unbelievable for you? Hey, they're going to meet every day this week. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, well, at least I think we're past the point where they meet to set a meeting date. You got to get on the same page. Those were the worst. You get the emails of the emails trying to set up an email of a meeting that you're trying to set up for the meeting. It's like, can't we just do this over text or just hash this out in an email? Why do we have to like coordinate this thing to the ends of the earth? It always drove me nuts in an office setting. And then the meeting could have just been an email in the first place. Yeah, yes, yes. Of course, that's how that goes. I hope baseball is far beyond that point where we can actually be discussing things that actually matter and might actually get this pushed over the finish line. Do you feel like we're any closer to a resolution just in terms of the clock is ticking and... Certainly both sides want to actually play baseball and get paid. And and if the, you're the owners, you don't want to miss out on revenues. So there is that motivation. Yeah, I think there's a natural sense of urgency. But I feel like I've been sort of naive in this process. And maybe it'll work out. Maybe they'll reach a conclusion this week. They'll just start spring training late and the season will start on time. I think that that's been many people's predictions all along, including my own. It's just how we've gotten here has made me feel sort of naive, where I don't think we can rule out the idea that even though there is this deadline and mounting pressure, they still might be stubborn and not come to some sort of conclusion. So, I don't know. I mean, it's anybody's guess. I think the discussions early in the week will probably tell us a lot about what we need to know and whether we'll be watching any spring training action in the next week or two, but... It's anybody's guess at this point. I'm hopeful. I just, who the hell could have confidence at this point? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, welcome to the free edition of this show. It's the Selby is Godcast. I am TJ Zuppi. That's my kids upstairs. We're, we are joined by Zach Meisel. That's the joys of, of home recording. We get dogs and we get children and we get destruction and who knows what might happen in the show that's why you stay tuned thanks for clicking play on apple Podcasts, google stitcher and spotify thank you to everyone that supports us over at patreon where you continue to get the episodes every single week but if you just want the periodic episodes we get uploaded to to your normal podcast destinations during the off season we're, we're thankful that you're here as well so what's up how, how was the weekend you were able to uh partake it all in all-star festivities in cleveland I think I watched more than I've watched in a decade. And probably because, you know, it was in Cleveland. So I wanted to see how the city was represented. I wanted to see how the celebrities appreciated the early weekend snowstorm. And... um. 
No, I, I, I think... I've been thinking about this a lot. We've talked about it. You know, it's it's you reach a certain point <laughs> when you're around sports every day of your life where you're it's harder to be impressed. And maybe it's just like an age thing too. Um but you know, it's when I was a kid, like I could watch Pistons Celtics on a Saturday and like be enthralled by it. Or I could watch Bill's Jets and like it didn't matter who was playing and in baseball too and then over the years like I don't know it's like the dunk contest is the dunk contest it's that's not what it used to be and um, I feel like we all we turn into that curmudgeon who says get off my lawn and I have to say watching the NFL playoffs and and I think part of this is because baseball's in a lockout what else are we going to do what are we going to pay attention to what are we going to talk about so I feel like I've followed just sports in general a lot more closely this offseason than, nor- than I normally do. But like the NFL playoffs were fascinating, captivating, incredible. So many overtime games and late finishes and walk-off field goals. I thought the NBA All-Star Weekend was, aside from the dunk Couldn't contest. Couldn't have been better if it was scripted, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. And it was in Cleveland. I'm just saying. So it was great. And I felt like <laughs> almost like a kid again. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I felt like a kid again, just just watching. I mean, I watched every second of pregame Sunday, halftime Sunday, and and the game. Which, I mean, I used to be a huge fan of the Saturday night festivities growing up, but the game was always the part where it's like, eh, like it doesn't mean anything, and it's it was East versus West, and they're not really putting much effort. The game was fantastic. And so naturally, my mind gravitates toward, is there anything baseball can take away from everything that we've consumed over the last four to six weeks? It's it's an interesting thought. I know your pal, Jason Stark, kind of tackled this from a football perspective at The Athletic. The idea that you create an event is sort of what, you know, football does just in the nature of how the sport is played and when it's played. You're not going to be able to match that. I think you need to not compare them directly. You don't want to, like, if, if I'm baseball, like, I'm going to do it again, where I'm going to make them this this entity, this one solo thing. If you're baseball, you don't say, how can I be football? Because you're not going to be football. They're They're not comparable. To me at all. So you don't try to compete necessarily on their level. You try to accent what makes you special. Because if you're just going to go play the, the game against football, you're going to lose just in the nature of how things are played. So you have to, instead of focusing on how you can be them, you have to focus on how do you make how do you accent what is best about you? Because I don't always want football. Mm-hmm. I don't always want a sport where every down I feel like is life and death. I don't necessarily want that at all times. My heart will explode <laughs> if I have to do that every single day. The, the great thing about every different sport is that it's different. There's a different pacing to every sport. There's a different uh, 
philosophy and way you go about playing it and the, the way you go about consuming it. So I don't think it should necessarily be how do you be football? And it's the same thing with basketball. And I think basketball just does a better job of accenting uh, the things that make that sport unique, whether it's the personalities or the game itself. And that's what we can focus on today with baseball, because if you're going to look just at like the all-star game uh, and even all-star Saturday night for the NBA, it's so special because the personalities shine, whether it is the people that are on the court partaking in the activity or it's the the celebrities and the players and everybody that's on the sideline that is reacting. That is where the sport is shining by accenting and pushing those personalities, those larger-than-life people that you want to, to watch, to consume their product. But if you're actually looking at the product itself, as in the, the activity of the, the Home Run Derby or the activity of the All-Star Game, that trumps both of, obviously, football, but even basketball to a lesser degree. Baseball is better. The product itself and what is taking place, the actual activity, is better. But how it's presented, when it's played, that's where it's lagging behind, I think, personally. Yeah, so I I took some notes as I was watching the end of the, the game on Sunday night. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. Because that's what you're supposed to be doing. When you're sitting here, you're supposed to be making it like homework. <laughs> so I can't wait for this. I think I missed LeBron's game winner because I was on paragraph six. Uh, so let's let's go point by point here. The NBA All-Star Weekend, it's a weekend, right? It, you, you, it starts Friday night. You get the Celebrity Game, you get the Rising Stars Game. It moves into Saturday. It allows for so many events. I mean, every Cleveland restaurant and bar had something going on. Every... The, the convention center or every like event space was booked. Now, when the MLB All-Star Game was here a few years ago, there was a lot going on too. And it helped that it's in the middle of summer. But do you think a three-day stretch like this works better on a weekend or a weekday? Is this a rhetorical question? Um, I I want I'm asking for your input because I think I just wonder. You know, you could do the same thing. You could have events Friday night, do the Derby Saturday night, and you could have the game Sunday night, and you could just stop right an off day Monday for everybody. off day Monday, even Tuesday if you want, um, and you can you can have your final games of the week leading up to it be on Wednesday Thursday. Yeah. So initially, I would say absolutely that makes a ton of sense. And I probably still lean that way. I do wonder how much pushback there is from the actual teams themselves, the owners maybe, that don't want to miss out on a, a weekend gate for who, whomever is home after the All-Star game takes place. I would guess that it's probably... Not a, a hefty concern, but it is something that would have to be considered, I'm That's sure. That's such if a you're perfect change all of this. example of where baseball's at, though, by the way. But see, I'm not saying that that's the first thing. I'm just saying this is, this is something you have to address. The second thing, 
how different is a summer weekend compared to a winter weekend in that during the summer on the weekend, is it more difficult? And someone smarter than me would have to answer this. Is it more difficult to get eyeballs in front of a television to watch your event when it's 85 degrees outside and it's perfect outside at night and people are out doing things, they're at the bar, they're with friends, they're outside grill, whatever they're doing. Is it more difficult to get people to tune in during the summer and a July night on Saturday as opposed to a Monday or a Tuesday in the summer? I don't know the answer to this. No, you might be right. But it is something that I need to know before I would say absolutely yes. So I, I think I think it makes a lot of sense to put it on the weekend. And I think any concerns that there are about, oh, well, I would miss out on whatever revenue, shut up. If it's better for the sport, shut up. But I don't know how the the differences in the weather and what people are doing in the winter compares to the summer. So that would be my biggest concern or, or question at this point. Oh, it's, it's a very valid point. I, I agree with what you just added about the revenue stuff and, oh, we might miss out on a, a weekend gate and we can't do that. Like, well, we got to put it on a Tuesday. No, <laughs> there's so much short-sightedness and no one ever cares about the long-term health of the sport enough. Um, I just wonder, I mean, it's, it's, first of all, you're asking people to stay up toward midnight on a Monday night, a Tuesday night, and that's tough to do even in the summer. Um, but you make a good point. You know, everybody's got stuff going on on the weekends, especially during the summer. So are people going to bail on their plans to have a barbecue and hit the town? And instead, watch the Futures game on a Friday night? Probably not. Yeah, well, I mean, Futures game's tough. If you're a super fan of, of the sport, then you're tuning into that. I don't know how you're going to get a casual fan to care about the Futures game. Well, well, it's, well it, those, those players are just so far removed from, from the radar. How do you make that I'm happen? I'm going to tell you in a minute. I think that's just a different animal. <laughs> okay, I can't wait. Okay. So, did you watch the regular broadcast of the All-Star Game? Did you watch the Charles Barkley, Shaq, Kenny Smith, Ernie Johnson, Draymond Green version? I watched the regular version, but I didn't have the sound on because I was putting my kids to bed. So, Okay. I don't know. So, this has become I a... I don't know what you're going to ask, so it does not pertain this to This has become probably. a thing, though. We've seen it with the Manning cast on Monday Night Football. I think it's entertaining. I think it's a nice change of pace. I think it's also seen in that regard, especially so because the Monday Night Football booth needs some upgrades, and many people realize that. And so you're comparing that to your other option, and relative to that option, it's it's going to look even better than it already is. So, but I, there's there's something there, right? We saw this last night. I, I watched. Nothing but the the alternate version with Kenny and Shaq and, and Charles Barkley, and it was hilarious. I mean, I, I laughed out loud more times than I can count. I don't think... I mean, I'm typically someone who likes play-by-play, and Ernie Johnson provided a little bit of it. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want this 
every game throughout a season. But for an event like this, it's just it's the personalities, right? Who who are the stewards of baseball? Who are the people who you know, you know there's a big baseball event taking place. Who do you want to see in that pregame show? Who do you want to see in the booth? Who do you want to see at halftime? I can't even name like who the go-to people are except A-Rod. <laughs> and we need to stop <laughs> A-Rod enough. But I think that's a big thing is with the NBA especially. I mean, the NFL, you know, you have the two the two networks basically. I mean, I guess third if you add ESPN. But, you know, you can go with Terry and Howie and Strahan and those guys. Or you can go with Boomer and Cower and, and them. And you know who you're going to get in the booth. Um, because every game, every Sunday is is nationally televised. But I think with baseball, like there isn't even like if you could devise your dream pregame roundtable, I, I don't I don't even know who I would put on there. Oh, uh, players that the sport won't even acknowledge in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I would just love to hear Barry Bonds go off on people. If you were looking for former players that would be inter- entertaining and you could get some of that fun silliness with, I don't, I don't know who that is. You know, when, you, when I think of, you know, who are the, the coolest past players that I can think of, Ken Griffey Jr. comes to mind. I don't know how he would come across in a broadcast like that. We don't have any sense of that truly. I mean, he's been on some, some home run derby broadcasts in the past, not a ton. And, and certainly not in a situation where you're putting him with other players where he can just kind of be himself. You are tuning in, not necessarily to watch the dunk contest, but you're tuning in to see everyone's reaction to the dunk contest. And that's different than the way baseball is because I'm tuning in to watch the home run derby, not to see the guys up and down the lines freaking out. I want to see Tons and tons of home runs. I do. It's just I a like that, different though. way to consume the two contests. I like that. I mean, the home run derby, when they show, when the other players are into it. And and you've got guys like, like someone goes on a home run barrage. And then maybe a teammate comes over and like waves it, gives him a towel and a Gatorade and like tries to cool him down or something. I, I think, you know, the thing and. <laughs> Comparing this to inside the NBA on TNT is unfair because it's it's like you said with the NFL, like you're you can try to replicate it, you're never going to to match it. They do such a good job of balancing, obviously, comedy. I mean, during the the, the game started last night and Shaq started eating chicken fingers. It's hilarious. Um, him and, and Charles Barkley just ribbing each other constantly, but at the same time, then you still have analysis. Like Kenny Smith offering great insight into what it's like to play in an all-star game, what these guys are thinking. And then Draymond Green, I thought, was actually a nice addition on the sideline, uh, interviewing guys. And and it was just a nice mix. I know baseball's done that sort of thing where they've they've mic'd up players during the all-star game. That's great. More of that. But I just don't know who I can count on or who the league wants to put out there to be the champions of the sport to be the ambassadors it's not a rod it can't be 
He's not someone, he's not like some cool guy that kids look up to. He's not, he doesn't have the personality you want. He's not an ambassador of the sport. He's just always been an ambassador of A-Rod. So I, I think, you know, the, the other thing that stuck out was you had all the, the, the top 75 players, or many of them in town. And the whole weekend, the theme seemed to be current players talking about their respect for the stars who came before them. And like Carl Anthony Towns, I saw a couple interviews with him just talking about how grateful he was to just be in the presence of all these legends. And even Charles Barkley and, and Shaq talking about how like they they had nerves and they were excited to to hang out with some of these guys who were probably just as excited to to spend time with them. You know, the, the NBA does such a good job with, like, that connection of generations. And it's funny because it's been part of, like, the Cleveland Indians mantra for a good decade or so. Like, their thing is connecting generations and families and whatnot. But baseball, like, and I, I wonder if part of it is because of the steroid scandal, but it seems like we don't really have that. You know, do you, do you see? No. I would love to see like Barry Bonds at the Home Run Derby every year and um yeah. Giancarlo Stanton like shooting the shit with him. Just thinking of people that when they played they have the larger than life personalities and I think a key is to get them out of the rigid buttoned up broadcast formula that baseball has a hard time getting away from. Basketball embraces it when they need to when it needs to be an actual broadcast with play-by-play and analysis and the way it goes the way that it goes then they're going to do that but they also realize there is a an appetite for the more fun uh just silliness of that tnt broadcast and the and you're not tuning in to get real legitimate insight although you do get it um, and so it can be disguised in different ways. And I think as you were talking about with the the players that are mic'd up on the field during the All-Star game for baseball, I think that's a cool aspect. And I think we can get more of that. The problem I have with it is that it's often Joe Buck ask, asking just questions that don't really pertain to anything. And Smoltz is usually in there. Too. It, it just doesn't. It's very... Like I said, buttoned up. It's not very casual mm-hmm. and just getting a sense of who the players are. Maybe it would be more fun. I don't know the logistics of this, but maybe it would be more fun to, to hear a player at the dish actually hitting and a guy in the field talking to him and them them interacting or even the catcher and the, and the batter. And, and, here, and obviously everyone knows that they're on the broadcast, but if you're the play-by-play, in this case, Joe Buck, play-by-play guy, step away. Let those guys, let it breathe. Let them just interact with each other and let those personalities shine. Um, same thing for like the home run derby. Do I really need Carl Ravitch to just say, and there's another home run? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't need that. Just let it happen mm-hmm. and let the the guys interact and let, again, let just the the rigid formulaic approach go sometimes 
And I think the sport could benefit just from more of, of a laid back approach. Doesn't always have to be the way you've always done it forever. So the dunk contest was atrocious. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not surprised. The, the broadcasters during the all-star game even mentioned, and like there were like 10 dunks that were better than anything we saw in, in the dunk contest. So, I was just thinking, if the Home Run Derby was just abysmal, if for some reason, first of all, the no one had heard of the competitors, I think it's great that MLB has actually gotten some legit stars in the Home Run Derby the last few years. That's awesome. Keep yeah. that going. But can you imagine if, for whatever reason, it was just like, eh, it was a not a great cast of, of competitors and guys just didn't hit very many home runs. Like it just was not interesting at all. Can you, could you picture those on the broadcast being like, this is the worst home run derby ever. <laughs> they were so brutally honest Saturday night no. and even Sunday during the all-star game, making fun of it. I, that would never happen in baseball. Manfred wouldn't allow people to talk like that. First of all. Yeah. But I was, it was like refreshing hearing the brutal honesty. Yeah. yeah this, they're certainly not uh, taking themselves too seriously. And there is a, an aspect of that in baseball. Now, I think it can be a positive because, as I said, the events themselves are so much. In, this is my opinion again. But I think the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game themselves, the product, the actual contest, is actually really good especially in comparison to the NBA All-Star Game and NBA Saturday Night where everyone's just kind of having fun and I, I guess you have to ask yourself what, what do you want those things to be? Mm -hmm. Do you want them to be semi-serious competitions where you actually see a person's skills being accented or do you want it to be you know kind of loose and fun and casual? There could be an element of both, I think. But it's how do you strike the right balance? I, I think I to, in, in those aspects, I think baseball is really close. It might just be about, as we were discussing before, putting it in, red, in front of the right eyeballs at the right times. Maybe it's adjusting when these things start. And I know everything's driven by money and everything in money is driven by television money. And it says you got to get these things on at 8.15 at night because that's prime time. And well, maybe what's best for the sport is to start certain things at 6.30, 6.45, 7 o'clock so that the next generation of fans can actually see the culmination of these events and not have to be told about it in the morning over breakfast. So I have two, two points off of what you just said. You know, I, I agree. The Home Run Derby's in a good spot, I think. The All-Star Game... Yeah, really good. I don't know about the All-Star Game. Last night, Steph Curry went off, and LeBron hit the game winner in Cleveland. Storybook. Perfect. About an hour after he hugged Michael Jordan, everyone went nuts. The best players are in the game when the game's on the line. And I think part of the issue with MLB is I would love to see like how many people are tuned in in the first inning of the All-Star game versus how many people are tuned in in the ninth. 
because it's 11.30 p.m. The score is 10 to 4. Yeah. Or, no, that there, there isn't even offense anymore. Everyone throws 100 miles an hour. The score is 4-1, and I've got the Pittsburgh Pirates reliever, because every team has to have a representative, pitching to, like, a utility guy who's having a good year for a team that needed a rep. Like, I, we need the best <laughs> players in the game in the eighth and ninth inning. Was Eric Sogard an, an all-star? <laughs> and I don't know how, <laughs> that's, that's I don't know how you do that. I don't know if you, I don't know if you like allow substitutions of guys who have already been pulled. I don't know, but everyone mm. was tuned in to the end of the NBA all-star game because you wanted to see who was going to make the last yeah. shot. Yeah, it's a. Again, this is a difference of what what do you want it to be? Do you want it to be a serious competition, or do you want it to be like the NBA All Star Game is, where it's all fun and and not really fun in games? It's all silliness and fun until the last whatever it is five six minutes of the game, where everyone then tries. Well, and that's so it's not a serious sports competition until the very end. You might as well just play a five minute game with the best players playing the best players. So it's it's a fair question, but it's also a semi-unfair question because you're asking two very different things. Do you care that everyone watches the entirety of the MLB All-Star game? Or is that first four or five innings the most important point? You just got to get those people watching in that time frame. And you don't necessarily care if at the end of the game it's everyone's tuned in and hanging on every pitch. It's just were they super excited at the beginning of the game? Did you get enough people watching that part of the game? Yeah, but I mean, we never get to see Mike Trout in the playoffs, right? So imagine if you could see him batting in the bottom of the ninth, facing Jacob deGrom uh, with the game on the line. That's what we want to see. It's not as fun when you see them matching up in the first inning. Uh, I I do think, you know, the NBA, though, at least was searching for solutions. How do they make their all-star game a better product? And they discover that Elam ending rule where you play to a certain point total. And so, yeah, guys are just having fun and Steph Curry's shooting from half court. Um, and for the first three quarters, like that's what you're doing. And you're just trying to, you know, you want to keep the score a little bit close. But then you get to that fourth quarter and it's all of a sudden you see Jared Allen <laughs> actually playing legit defense and, and slowing down Joel Embiid and... Um, you see some whistles. and So they found a solution, and it made the product better. It's a way to get their stars on the court, the guys who are playing the best, the guys everyone is paying to see, those household names, with the ball in their hands, with the game on the line. And I just wonder if there's a way to do that in MLB. I'm not saying this is something holding the sport back, but I think any with baseball, anytime you can put your stars in front of the camera as often as possible and at the most critical times, that's going to help. Yeah. It's also the difficulty of the way the sport outcomes go anyhow that we've discussed before. You could go to a NBA game, and if you're seeing LeBron, you know you're going to see at minimum 25 points, seven rebounds, eight assists. He's not going to have a night where you go and 
he goes one for 13 from the field and scores seven points. It's That's not happening. But in baseball, I can go to a game and see Mike Trout go 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. Doesn't mean he's a bad player, but that's the way the sport's played. I mean, that's just the, the way outcomes go. So in some regard, you can't always compare the two because the stars can't always take over every game in baseball. It's just, it doesn't happen. I mean, unless you're going to see a great starting pitcher, in, in which case you probably will see them dominate. You, you, if DeGrom is healthy, DeGrom is going to DeGrom. Um, and so it's, a, it's just a different element that I don't know that always, to get back to my original point, you can't just say, go be basketball, mm-hmm. go do what they do, because it's a different thing. So it's not to me. It's not so much about go do what football does, go do what basketball does. You take certain elements of that, but then again, you focus on what makes you great. And maybe we could do an entire show on this, where we actually have some positivity for once. We could talk about all the things that the sport does well. Maybe it'd be a short show in some people's opinion, but it would be nice to maybe revisit that because through doing that exercise, we could probably see. What are the things that need to be accented more? Because this is truly special, and it's different and in some ways better than what football or basketball does. Yeah, I mean, this is more stream of consciousness than criticizing course, yeah. the sport. And yeah, we've belabored some of those points. Coming from the guy that took notes during the NBA All-Star <laughs> game. Yeah, just a stream of consciousness, baby. <laughs> what about, are there any other events baseball could add what about what if you took like six outfielders who had strong arms and put them in different spots in the outfield the very far the furthest point in the right field corner and see who can throw one to home plate on a fly and if three of them can do that then those three go to center field and who can make the best throw? Like I don't know. There's isn't. Wouldn't, would that be interesting? First time, yes. <laughs> then it would get old. I don't know if that's something I I want to be seeing for 15 years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, the the newness of that sounds tremendous. I would love that. Okay. This is okay. Here's here's the problem. Base compared to basketball, like if somebody goes and shows you a skills competition where. I'm going to shoot a bunch of three-pointers. I don't really worry about Steph Curry getting injured or overextending himself trying to shoot a bunch of three-pointers. Um, same thing with you know somebody booking it up and down the court. I mean, yeah, maybe they could tear an ACL or something. But for the most part, if you're dribbling the ball around the court and trying to make passes and layups and different shots from around the court, you're probably not going to get overextended and hurt. But if I go throw... A uh, really strong armed outfielder out in the right field corner, and say, "Throw as hard as you can." <laughs> in an event that doesn't matter, are you putting guys at unnecessary risk? And that would be a pushback. So you're not going to like the advanced version of that <laughs> that I had come up with. I was... Is this where you put all the pitches on the mound and see who can hit 105? <laughs> so clearly you can't do something like that. But I was thinking like a game of horse. I don't know if it would be outfielders making a throw. Like Mookie Betts stands in the right field corner and throws just a dart to third base. And then Ramon Laureano has to do the same thing. Or if it would be pitchers. 
and you'd have like i don't know a pop can sitting somewhere and you'd have to like the game at the amusement park or just just something where you just target practice for pitchers or maybe it's a game of horse maybe it's <laughs> Can you throw 95 yeah. miles an hour and hit this exact little dot? I don't know. There's, there's just baseball is a, a game with so many different talents. You know, so many different players can do so many different things incredibly well. I feel like there's, there are more ways to showcase that than we see now. There have to be some sort of skills competitions that can take place. I think people would like that. Yeah. Um, and there probably are. The only thing that I would say in opposition to that, I don't. If if I'm watching the skills competition in the NBA, like how often do you go? Oh man, did you see the way that guy dribbled around that cone, or did you see <laughs> all of the the three pointers that that guy hit? You're probably talking the next day. You're not. Necessary. I mean, unless somebody does something absolutely ridiculous, like Evan Mobley hitting a half court shot on his first try. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You're probably talking about. Did you see what so and so said? Did you see the interactions between? Did you see what what that broad what they were talking about on the broadcast? You're probably still talking more about the personalities than you are the actual outcomes of what they're doing. So this again comes back to yeah you could you could do these certain skills competitions and I think if you kept them fresh and it wasn't always the same thing it could could be entertaining but to me it's still how do you get the players just being the pl- I mean how many times do we go in the clubhouse and do you see interactions where it's freaking hilarious and you wish there was somebody there that could be watching that and filming that now maybe if Everyone knows that that's taking place. You don't get the same sort of interactions with players. But, I mean, God, you've written it a hundred times that Jose Ramirez isn't, you know, out there screaming for the television to to be filming him at all times. But that dude is funny as hell. And the little, even if it's nonverbal things that he does, hilarious. But that's not being showcased to anybody. I mean, People in Cleveland and people that listen to this podcast or read you on The Athletic know these things, but does somebody in Kansas know that? No. Why would they know that? So I think you are right in that we could do some more fun things, but to me it's more, again, pushing the personalities, mm-hmm. the the fun element, the, the and getting, getting out of the way uh, and not making it always about an interview. Just let the players be themselves as much as can be <laughs> done in a, a thing that is still monitored by the FCC. <laughs> that sort of segues into my last point. And this has nothing really to do with the all-star game, which I want it to be clear. Like I, I'm not, I don't have issues with MLB's all-star product. I think it's pretty good. I just think, the league needs to always be thinking of what they can do better. What what can they take from other sports that might work or might not work? And the, the big thing is, we've talked about this a little bit before, but 
Is there anybody in MLB's offices asking, why are we never on ESPN? Why are we never on FS1? I know those talk shows are terrible, but they're also a focal point of society. I mean, every gym you walk into has Stephen A. Smith shouting on every TV. And I think it's more so just MLB does it realize that it's just almost never in the national spotlight. And when you eliminate shows like Baseball Tonight and Intentional Talk, like that is that should be a warning sign. Like why is ESPN so willing to get rid of MLB programming? You need more than the MLB network. You ha- I mean you just have to. It, it's it's state-run media. <laughs> I mean, they're so insulated yeah. from public perception. And the perfect example is Ken Rosenthal having his ties there cut because he was maybe semi-critical of Rob Manfred. I mean, it, it's... Over nothing. Yeah. Over nothing. So I, I think it's it's a really key point. And MLB needs to look in the mirror at some point and say, how do we work our way into popular conversation more often because it just it never happens and obviously a lockout's not going to help um but i just i i think you know everyone's going to be talking about the all-star festivities on every national program every radio show every tv show it doesn't matter what the market is you're going to be talking about that and then maybe you spend one segment on Jawan howard punching an opposing coach but (laughs) it's it's going to be all all star all the time and i i think about when the MLB All-Star Game takes place in the second week of July, look, in Cleveland, unless Cleveland's hosting the All-Star Game or unless, like, Jose Ramirez hits the game-winning home run and wins MVP or wins a home run derby, look, you're two weeks out or a week and a half out from training camp. They're talking Browns. So I, I just, I, I think MLB as a whole needs to figure out how do we force ourselves into the conversation. How do we get people talking about us? And you have all these star players. I mean, it's it's incredible how much talent, especially young talent, is in the league. And I feel like we are always saying that. So how do you market them? How do you make sure that people know who Fernando Tatis is? I don't know. That's That's a big problem with MLB. Yeah, I, I, I want to make it clear, if I haven't already, I certainly don't feel like I have all the answers. Hell, I don't feel like I have any of the answers. Um, Kind of to your point, it's just kind of spewing these things off the top of my head as we talk about them. That's why I love doing the show with you, because it's pretty rare we sit in here with a outline and these are all the things we're going to talk about. We kind of toss some ideas at each other and then we see where the conversation takes us. Um, and that's that's the way I want this podcast to be. So I don't, in doing this, uh, I'm not saying, you know, baseball does all these things wrong. And I, I sometimes have a problem with that, that way of discussing things, because if you don't have any solutions, then what have you, okay, it, anyone can sit here and point out the problems. How do you make things better? We can try. Um, as far as the ESPN thing goes, and I, I don't really watch, hell, I don't even watch ESPN that much anymore as it is, but I don't watch FS1. I don't really watch many of those networks, but you've trained the audience in a a way that we've also kind of discussed with local sports talk 
radio stations, you've trained the audience to to expect a certain thing from your shows. And this is, I mean, it's happened where you take the time to address something in baseball and you will get callers off the air that, that will complain that you're not talking Browns in the middle of an offseason when nothing is happening. Like, why the hell are these guys talking about baseball? We could be talking about Browns. And it's it's not always that there aren't enough baseball fans out there or people craving that content. It's that the audience has been trained to expect a certain thing when they tune in to your show. It would be like us saying, you know, we're we're uh, a, a Cleveland Guardians slash baseball podcast, and then people tuning in and we're talking about hockey. <laughs> like they would say, well, why is this happening? Even if it's relevant, even if it's relevant talk, if we're not tying it somehow back to baseball, people would say, well, why why is this happening? Because the expectation is we're going to sit here and talk about the Guardians. We're going to talk about baseball. And occasionally talk about other things, but we're always going to bring it back to how it relates to baseball. And for, with ESPN, I'm not tuning in if I want baseball talk. I'm going to find it somewhere else. I'm going to listen to podcasts and, and probably the podcast or YouTube space. That's where I'm going to go to find the baseball conversation that I'm craving. I'm not going to the four-letter network because you don't do it. You don't commit. I, I Baseball tonight, what, when's the last time I watched that? Because the product itself, no one, no one puts any... Other than the people actually working on the show, no one puts any effort into making the show better. So it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. is the long-winded way of saying all of this. People don't care about baseball because you've trained them not to expect or care about baseball. And the people that actually are craving that aren't watching you. They're not. They're going elsewhere. I I, I listen to podcasts. I pull up YouTube. That's that's what I'm doing when I want something baseball-related because – those are the people that I trust and I care to talk about the sport. And that's because you're a you're already a baseball fan. I just this league has yeah. no answers for how to attract new fans. And I mean we can take this full circle and I think with the collective bargaining negotiations something'll get done eventually. But will any of the changes help at all? with the long-term health of the sport, the future, and ensuring that it's a strong product 10, 15, 20 years down the road? I mean, if it's in regard to anti-tanking or making sure everybody is better across the board, that does have an impact. Mm -hmm. But as far as where the money is allocated, that has no impact for anybody outside the sport. Not that it's not important to people within the sport, and it shouldn't be cared about. But people outside the sport do not care who is di- what the dis- the product distribution of the money is. It's about the sport in general. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I wonder. You know, when we were kids, I like I I vividly remember being a kid and looking at like when you played little league and you get your schedule. And looking at my schedule and praying that I did not have a game the night of the MLB <laughs> All-Star game or the Home Run Derby. Because I didn't want to miss the beginning. And we didn't have TiVo yet. And now, I mean, how many, what percentage you of... stick the tape in the VHS? Exactly. You have to set the timer. You remember that? You had to set the timer on the, the, on the actual VHS recorder and... Of course, the thing would always be blinking 12 o'clock because <laughs> you can never get that right. 
It would never start on time. There'd be problems. It would eat your tape. It was the worst. What percentage of kids care about that now? You know, I... I... <laughs> what, VCRs? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but But I just, I wonder... <laughs> I just, I wish I could, I always say I wish I could be a fly on the wall when front office members are talking trades. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the MLB offices and whoever's job it is to care about that stuff. About the marketing and the branding and the, the planning. You know, it's, there, there, there needs to be more of an effort to make sure you're roping in that new generation. And there are things you can do with the current product to help that, but I just, it's a slippery slope, and I just wonder if, like, I don't know what you do to make things better, to draw in more kids, because it seems like everywhere you look, it's football and it's basketball, and it's, you know, any 12-year-old can name every quarterback in the league and every NBA all-star, but they can't name three MLB players. What about the impact of video games within this conversation? I know we've talked about it before. Growing up, I had so many different baseball video games across all different consoles that my parents would, my parents would come in and see me play, and they would, isn't there any other games you have? No, I'm only going to play World Series Baseball 2, until forever, until eventually World Series Baseball '98 comes out, and I'm gonna play that forever. And I, you're gonna simulate, you're gonna play 162 games of the season. <laughs> yes, this is not crazy. Now there's the show and RBI Baseball. Are they still making RBI Baseball, which is like a watered down, less simulation style less less accurate less what, what's the word i'm looking for but there are two versions of, of baseball games now you know for a while there were like five six different versions there was all-star baseball there was mlb 2k there were triple play um, there were so triple play and some of these have become other like the show was one of these and eventually became the show but then you have these these licenses with the sport where you, you only have one able to make the actual video game. And I bring it up because this is happening right now with, with Madden and the video game community from the very, very overhead view that I have of it, where there's really only Madden and that's it for football. And so the product itself has been sort of either stagnant or in decline because there's nobody else pushing them in, in competition. And so it's just like the same game over again where they take away certain features and then they add the same features back three years down the road and say, look, it's brand new. So you need the invasion. And people are kind of getting fed up. <laughs> yeah. You need, you need all of these video games to push each other to make the best products because by doing that, it's a small, maybe inconsequential, maybe not, gateway into bringing more youthful audiences in to care about the sport yes but also to know about the players i can tell you the 97 lineups for teams that mm -hmm. i should have forgotten long ago because of the hours that i spent playing world series baseball 2 on the sega saturn uh, i can tell you 
all of these different rosters because I played all-star baseball 2001 on 64. And the, the countless hours that I spent playing those things, it, you, you do have the show, and the show is fine. I mean, the show is great. But if you were to, to have multiple sports titles out there that were constantly forcing, whether it is the show or whatever other video game creator that pops up, forces them to constantly be better. I mean, what is people talk about? Uh, what's the one with Manny Ramirez on the cover? It was MVP, in 2005. Baseball, 2005. MVP, the greatest yeah. video game of all time. Right. People still talk about it, right? <laughs> is anyone talking about the show like that anymore? You could go play that MVP Baseball 2005 right now and still get a tremendous enjoyment out of it. So this is just another thing that I consider, like, video games are important. And I think it is important, and this also comes down to you sign these exclusive deals, you get a lot of money from these video game creators. And so, yet again, money is kind of dictating how things are uh, approached here. But if you were able to open it up to everybody to start making MLB games again. And it does it in such a way that maybe the show would have some more competition. And then they've got to continue to improve their product. And then you have more battles between all of these different video game uh, creators. Maybe that just creates another way for people to be interested in the sport. Younger, the younger generation that is connecting through Twitch streams and playing online and all the different ways that this has evolved over the years. I don't really know where I was going with that, but it's been on my mind for a while. And I think it can't be, I don't think it can be overstated the importance of what that element does for the, the popularity and the knowledge of your sport. Didn't you just play NFL? Was it ESPN NFL 2K5? Yeah. I went and after Christmas, I was watching a bunch of videos of of ESPN 2K5, which is probably the greatest NFL game. As far as gameplay goes, that thing still like it still looks great. The gameplay looks great. Love that. Yeah, I went out and bought a 360 just so I could play that on uh, reverse co- compatibility. So, I actually I have not played a video game since I was in college. And a few years ago, I remember watching an NFL game or something and thinking, "Man, I I just like don't know any NFL players anymore aside from the household names." And it dawned on me it's because I used to play Madden every year and I could tell you the third cornerback on all 32 teams uh, because you're trying to, you're like me, we just want to build, we want to be the architects of roster building. The gameplay is fine, yeah, that's secondary, but we get a kick out of making a trade for a diamond in the rough third string safety. Um so I think that I think that's an important part when when kids are playing video games they just they know more players. They know more about their talent. I think video games are an important piece of the puzzle. I think gambling's another one. How can MLB leverage gambling being legal in more and more states to their advantage? And not just 
in terms of making money. They always just think about how can we use this to our financial advantage and not how can we use this to make our product better, our players more marketable, and that in turn will make us more money in the long run. All of this is it goes together. I mean, social media is even another thing. I mean, I don't... You know, Patrick Mahomes' brother is like a star on TikTok. <laughs> like, <laughs> probably for, for the worse. But how do you... How do you leverage all of these different components to make your sport more... Just more recognizable. More... Just plant yourself on people's radars. I think that's sort of the, the bottom line of all of this. I think that's the thing that MLB has struggled with for a long time. And... It's caught up to them in the point where sure seems like they're a distant third in terms of sports leagues. And you don't have to be first. Everyone loves to say how baseball was America's pastime and that's a thing of the past. And it's like, that's okay. It doesn't matter like that. That's not a big deal. But how do you make it so that like you, you hinted at, at the beginning of this podcast, how can you be the best version of yourself? Because I think there's so much untapped potential with the sport. From the All-Star Game, to the marketing, to everything being negotiated in the basic agreement talks. Just a lot of a lot of ways baseball could make life easier on itself and improve its, its long-term health. If you're Arby's, you don't want to be McDonald's, right? You have to be the For best many reasons. at roast beef. <laughs> I think we did it. So baseball, be the best. I think we just saved baseball. <laughs> I don't think any of this made sense. <laughs> I'm glad we have different opinions on this. I don't think we discussed anything of note or really answered anything. But that's not the point of the show. It's always an ongoing conversation, and that's why I love it. Any final words? No, I just think back to watching the All-Star Game and Shaq eating chicken fingers looking up at the at the humongotron at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, <laughs> seeing seeing Megan Fox on there, asking Ernie if they can uh. show Megan Fox more. Ernie Johnson saying, Shaq, <laughs> what you're seeing on the scoreboard isn't what they're seeing on TV. And then Draymond Green chiming in from the sidelines saying, hey, I read some stuff about Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, and I'm not sure you want any more of Megan Fox. We need that in baseball. Come on. Oh, if there was anything ever worth pushing past the final music for, it was all of that. So thanks for showing up, everybody. We're out of here. See ya.